You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 10. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for joining me for another episode of How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany and I am your host. And if you have been listening to the show for um, more than a week, you will know that we did not, I did not put up an episode last week because it was Thanksgiving. So I hope that you enjoyed your holiday with your family, that you traveled safely, that you didn't burn the cornbread or, you know, ruin the cranberry sauce, if that's something that you can do, even though I don't really eat cranberry sauce, especially that stuff that comes out of the jar or the can because it looks like jelly and I don't quite understand its role on a table, but that's neither here nor there. Before I get into this week's topic, I just have a few announcements. The show notes for this episode will be available at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com slash 10. Um, If you don't already follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow me um, at how does underscore she do it on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can also like the Facebook page, how does she do it podcast um, on Facebook if you search for it or you go to facebook.com slash how does she do it podcast. And if you want to get updates and information about some things that I have in the works um, and join a exclusive community, you can sign up for the email list. If you go to the website, um, howdoesyoudoitpodcast.com, you will find a link to be able to sign up for the email list, and you'll also be able to find that link on the Facebook page. So I hope that you join the Facebook group. I hope that you follow me and communicate with me, um, you know, period, because I kind of talk to you and I would like to hear from you as well. So, you know, I mentioned always that if you have any comments, any questions, any um, thing that you want me to address in an Ask Tiff episode, which this one is, you can just send me an email to Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com or you can leave me a voicemail on the website that there you'll see a tab on the right side of the page that says Ask Tiff. You can just record it on your phone. You can um, record it from your computer and I will, you know, read your question and answer it on the air. So I hope that you, and I keep saying on the air, like this is a radio show, but I guess it's kind of like on the air now since things are changing. Either way, I hope that you will send me an email, leave me a voicemail, Just let me know that you're out there and I'd love to hear from you uh, because I really appreciate your support that I have noticed in uh, your ratings and reviews in iTunes. I saw that I got a new one this week and I just ask that you continue to leave ratings and reviews, five star preferably, so that the show can continue to reach new people via iTunes or Stitcher or even on SoundCloud, wherever you listen. Your support is greatly, greatly appreciated. Just My Thoughts is the part of the show where I share 
just my thoughts on a number of things that I've come across or that have been that have impacted me in the time between recordings. And since it's been about two weeks since we last um, since I last recorded an episode, you know, I could talk about Thanksgiving, but by the time you listen to this, it will be at least a week old. So I'm going to leave that alone. I did make some stew peas and some apple crumble and they were delicious. So yeah, but I wanted to talk about the intersection or the the struggle and tension between trying to stay informed and trying to protect yourself and exercise self-care. If you have been reading the news or, you know, listening to the news or scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or even Instagram, you will know that, you know, a number of things have happened. One in the last, um, you know, week or so, one of which is related to the shooting death that occurred in Chicago at the hands of yet another white police officer take and who took the life of a 17-year-old African-American man. And the 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 shooting happened last year but the fallout is being felt as we speak the police officer was just recently indicted or i believe charged rather with first degree murder because of the exposure the release the final release of a, of the videotape the dashboard cam i believe it was from the uh one of the police cars of the the officers who responded to the scene, as well as the the finding of 86 minutes of footage that had been deleted from a security camera in allegedly deleted from a security camera in from a business near the scene. So I say all that to say just to give you a little bit of background, but I found myself deliberately avoiding clicking on articles related to this story. I deliberately avoided trying to to get, you know, trying to see the the video. I avoided reading a lot of details about it because I am I'm worn down. I am getting worn down and we just heard about the the planned parenthood shooting out in Colorado and that is a whole another complicated complicated uh scenario. The man was labeled a domestic terrorist um right away. You can argue that there have been other instances where this where similar situations have happened and people have not been labeled such, but that's neither here nor there. So I think what I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that in this world where the news changes so often and we are constantly inundated with information, it is hard to avoid it if you spend time on the computer and accessing the internet. And at the same, and I find myself, you know, it's at this crossroads, like, you know, it's important for me to be informed. It's important for me to know what's happening, but how much, where do I draw that line? Where do I try to protect myself? And am I being, you know, a a bad citizen, so to speak, by not clicking, by not reading the articles, by not staying informed. Um, you know, I just, again, I, I read an article today on from The Atlantic about how 
black millennials are worse off financially than white millennials. And it's just, it's like, it doesn't stop. And I've, and I know I'm drawn to this information. I'm drawn to these stories because it's thing, it, it's things that I'm interested in. And then I, and then I find myself, I found myself sitting at my desk today with my, literally my hands on my head, just feeling worn down. And so I guess my, my point is you have to do what's best for you. I avoided watching the, you know, doing research about the the shooting in Chicago or and the uh, alleged cover-up that's now hitting the fan, um, so to speak, for Mr. Emanuel's uh, mayoral, you know, administration and all that stuff. But I ended up watching the video. I, I couldn't, after reading another article, I couldn't help but watch the video. And I will never forget the image of that young man being killed in the street. I will never forget the image of Eric Garner being, um, you know, choked by New York City police. I will never forget the the picture of Dylan Roof on the cover of, I believe that was his name, the, the Charleston shooter on the cover of, you know, the, the newspaper. I won't forget, I won't forget these things because I've chosen to put myself in and to inform myself, so to speak. And then that leaves me in this position of, um, of conflict. It leaves me in this position of, of, am I better off for knowing this information? And it's hard. And I almost forgot to mention this. And then there was the whole Soul Train Awards and the conversation around R. Kelly performing and Erica Badu's introduction to him. And I didn't even uh, I didn't watch the performance. I don't have cable and I would not have watched it. But then thinking about the conflict between, you know, how much I enjoy some of R. Kelly's old music, but knowing the kind of monster that he he is related to his, you know, sexual encounters with young women. It's like all of these things, all of these things are constantly circulating. I've read five articles about that. And, it, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just followed that rabbit hole too far down the path when it comes to reading information and finding out more and clicking this article and finding out. And that's exactly what they want you to do. They click, they highlight the links, they bring you down to another, to another page, to another article. It brings you down to two more potential advertising dollars, all that kind of stuff. Either way, the moral of the story is do what you need to do to protect yourself. Stay informed, but if you need to unplug, sometimes that's what you have to do. There's a lot going on in this world, you know, the, it, it, there's so many things, so many things going on, but you are not cheating yourself by protecting yourself. You are not selling anyone short by spending, by spending your energy trying to avoid or filter what you are exposed to because, again, because we can be exposed to so much so often and in with such frequency it's like we're on we are victimized in in different ways and re-victimized in different ways and so do what you need to do to protect yourself it's okay to recognize the conflict it's okay to recognize that draw that's pulling you in both directions of you trying to be in you know a well-read person but also wanting to shield yourself just just protect yourself the best that you need to um, as you as we deal with, you know, what does not seem to be an end to some of the, the news and the crazy stories that we're hearing and the videos that we have access to. So um, just protect yourself.
And those are just my thoughts. This week's episode is about you. It's about answering questions that you all have submitted to me either by by email or in other ways. And I call this the Ask Tiff episode. So I'd like hopefully to be able to do a segment a few times a month to maybe address one question or two questions. But I figured since it's been a while and I've been, you know, holding on to these, I wanted to get them and um, do my best to answer them. And when I say Ask Tiff, this is not to imply that I know everything or that I have all the answers, but these are just my thoughts, I guess. So maybe it's just really a continuation of the just my thoughts segment. Anyway, so the first question is, and I'm not going to ever identify. So just so you know, if you submit a question to me, unless you explicitly want me to identify you in some way, shape or form, I will not do so. I will just read the question. So here's goes. The first question is about work. So I got three questions about work, one about dating. So I'm going to go through each of them. This first question is about work. It reads, if you're interviewing for jobs, what do you do when your third choice job makes an offer before job number one? What if your first choice makes an offer right after you start working your third choice job? What if you leave job three for job number one? How do you handle feelings of guilt for leaving? So In answering this question, thinking about this question, it sounds like there are three different things you're dealing with here. You have multiple job offers, which is hashtag blessed. Then you have, you're thinking about the strategy for handling multiple offers. And then you have the question about potentially leaving a job soon after you started. I think here, timing when you start the new job and are considering leaving soon after is kind of important because you don't want to be thinking about leaving a job after two weeks unless it's a job where it's like a hellhole and you can't really it's an unbearable work environment or those kinds of things so you know barring any extremes I think that it's you want to think about timing there is is there a a right time to leave a job you know some might say a year some might say you know less than that depending on the circumstances you know it's 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 a really case-by-case situation Um, But regarding the guilt of that you might feel leaving a company, I think assuming, you know, aside from the time period that you were talking about, um, you know, leaving a job, whether it's, you know, too short or too long, guilt for leaving a company is a kind of it's noble, right? Because that means that you care. That means you're considering, you know, the feelings of the employer or the needs of the employer, what might happen should you have to leave. Maybe you feel loyalty to your boss, feel loyalty to the company. Whatever that case, the case may be, your career is your career. So you can, it's okay to feel guilty, but don't let guilt be the reason why you stay in a situation that is not ideal or that you turn down an opportunity that you actually want or that might be good for you. I think that it's important to, I remember having those feelings when I when I was deciding to leave and I was thinking about the project that I was working on. Oh, but what about the team? What about the team? And at the end of the day, if a, if a company has to make a decision to remove an employee, maybe they'll feel guilty about it, but they'll do it. So when it comes to making a decision about your career, do what's best for your career, you know, maintain the relationships that you have, try not to burn any bridges as best as you can. But if you got to go, you got to go. So I hope that helps 
that answers that question a little bit. This next question reads, how can women comfortably express their frustrations at work without be lab- being labeled as bitches? So pardon my language there. But in short, I don't know. And I will say that the label has less to do with women in generally, in general, in generally, has less to do with women in general um, than it does with society and the way society treat women at work, the way society perceives or, um, you know, has built up certain types of expectations or responses to women who behave quote unquote, aggressively in the workplace or, you know, Sheryl Sandberg's whole band bossy movement and that whole thing. So I won't get, you know, go any further into gender inequities and those kinds of things. But I think it is when you're talking about expressing any frustration at work, it helps to be clear about what the situation is at hand. And when I when I say that, I mean, you know, sometimes our frustrations are with the institution, um, with the the nature of just the business itself, and so sometimes certain frustrations are are sometimes they may not even be worth airing. Other times, the frustration may be more interpersonal. The frustration might be something that um, you know is something that actually can be addressed. Maybe it's a systemic issue. It's a process issue. Either way, if you're expressing a frustration, I think it's it's good practice to be able to express the frustration and then potentially have a solution paired with it. So, of course, that's going to vary depending on the type of frustration that you're talking about, um, because, you know, sometimes there are no real solutions to some of the issues that we might have at, at work. Um, but you it helps to. If you're presenting a problem or a concern or, a, you know, a frustration to use your word to someone that you're you have evidence related to that frustration. So you're not just talking only about your feelings and the way something is feeling to you, but you can say, well, point to certain 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 types of situations and then be able to say, well, here are some ways that I think that I'd like to be able to address this concern that way. And I think I mentioned this on on an earlier episode and Annalise from um, how to get away get away with murder mentioned it to Bonnie, but that you're not just dumping a problem on somebody's lap and saying what are you going to do about it, but that you're offering to you're trying to create almost a partnership as corny as that might sound with um, bringing some sort of solution to the issue that you're addressing. It's not always easy. It's not always you know guaranteed to work, especially if you're if the the grievance that you have is with the person that you're bringing the frustration with. It might be um, a little more complicated than that. You might have to get uh, mediators involved, hopefully not HR. But, you know, it, it's just don't just drop a problem in somebody's lap. Be able to express clearly um, what your concerns are. And tone matters a lot. We have there are perceptions about the way you know, women and, you know, we can always say black women are labeled as angry no matter what we do or do not say, no matter how nice we try to put a smile on our face about something. But you just want to be mindful, whether rightly or wrongly, that the perception that someone might have of you, you want to be able to to counter that in some way as best as you can with that's within your control. So if you um, if something is really is really making you very, very angry, 
try not to go in there, you know, guns blazing, number one, because that is not professional and you don't want to put your your job at risk. But you also want to make sure that you are creating an environment that people will hear you and not put up guards right away because of what their perceived, um, you know, response might be to the to the tone that you're bringing to the to the conversation. I know that I've had to check my tone, even in dealing with small interpersonal things at work and just from and remind myself that if I want to to bring about solutions, if I want to bring about change, if I want to continue to foster a healthy working environment and working relationship, then I need to make sure that I'm I am approaching situations in a way that will not reflect necessarily negative negatively on me to the extent that I can control that. So I say all that to say that there's only but so much you can do to control perception of what you're saying or what you're not saying, the way people see your body language or make assumptions about you one way or the other. You can't control for those things. So just do what's within your power, control what's within your power, and then, um, you know, don't be afraid to say what you need to say being mindful of the environment that you're in and the audience that you're you're delivering the message to. This third work question uh, reads, is it okay not to have any friends at work? Sometimes I feel lonely at work, but honestly, I just don't feel like talking to these people most of the time. But then sometimes I do want to talk to them and I just feel like an outsider. I will say having friends at work is challenging because... It's like a matter of comfort. There are some people at work that you can talk to about stuff that's only at work, but you can talk about the intricacies about what's going on at work and if you are the gossiping type or, you know, what's going on with management and all that kind of stuff. Then you, there are people who, you know, you don't share, you, you don't know anything about those people's lives outside of work. You have, your conversation is only about what happens at work and that's it. I've had those kinds of, kinds of work relationships. I have the kind of work relationships that blur the two that you kind of talk a little bit about outside work stuff and that kind of thing. But it's really a matter of, you know, where you are in the moment and where you are in your life. You don't have to be best friends with people at work, but I think it's important to be social, especially because in the work environment is one of those kinds of places that people... If people like you, then sometimes that might open up doors for certain types of opportunities. Rightly or wrongly, that's kind of the way that it is. So it's not to say to be friends with people in an opportunistic way and only be friends with people who might be able to do something for you, but it bodes well when you can be the person who sometimes goes out for for lunch with other people. And so you can have conversations that are not strictly about the the projects that you're working on together. And that gets to see that gets people to see the more human side of you, so to speak, the intersectionality of who you are as an individual. And um, and then they'll be, you know, you'll never, you just never know how that's going to benefit you. And it might just feel good. So like you said, sometimes you feel lonely, you'll feel less lonely. And then when you're ready to, to not talk to them, you just don't talk to them. And when you do, you do. But don't, you know, don't be the shady, like, coworker who only comes around when they want something but you know just be just be who you are and keep it keep the conversation at a level that you're comfortable with and then just keep it moving and the last question is our dating question and it reads I was in a committed relationship for over four years now I'm single and I'm new to this current dating world what is some advice you have for someone who's never been in the dating world well, I will first say that I don't think that you've never been in the dating world, but it's been a little while. But I have four things that I wanted to to 
to say. So first, um, I think it's important to take time to think about what you want versus what you need. And I have stories for days and days and days about how far apart those two things are and how easy it can be to tap dance all up in the things that you want and to leave your needs shivering in the cold across the street, looking hungry and dusty. So it's especially when you're, you know, when you're coming from, depending on the circumstances of your breakup, maybe it was a liberating kind of breakup. Maybe it was a, it was a heartbreak. So it might the feelings and the kind of approach might be a little bit different. But, you know, just be aware of the difference between those two things. I'm not telling you not to get, I'm not saying don't go after what you want and don't kind of get what you want, but just be careful not to confuse those two things. Um, The second thing is don't be afraid to maintain your standards when you're talking about dating somebody new. Um, You know, you don't have to you know, feel badly about wanting or needing a certain, certain types of things, um, in your, you know, next boo thing, or, you know, maybe next, you know, boyfriend or whatever the case may be. But now this might also sound, this might sound counter to what I just said, but at the same time, be flexible about what you are encountering. And I say that to say, that sometimes gifts come in unexpected packages. So maybe there's something someone has is wrapped up in a package and the guy that you need is not necessarily that 6'5", dark chocolate, ball head with a beard kind of guy that you thought he might be. He might look a little different. He might talk a little different, but he, um, you know, he might be the thing that you need and might be what you've been looking for and not really realize it. So just keep an open mind, maintain your standards. Um, I actually did a, a few, actually it was, it was around this time two years ago, actually it would be, you know, later in December, two years ago, a friend of mine sent me a an interview with some woman. I can't remember her name. I don't remember what the interview was really about. But I remember her mentioning, she told a story about this kind of project that she did. Basically, not even really a project, but she basically wrote a list of the characteristics and she called them the heart traits in that she wanted in her future spouse. And she said, you know, on this list, don't put anything about occupation, physical characteristics, anything that is kind of on the surface as external. That's something that can be acquired. But think about the kind of person that you want in your future spouse. And I thought that was a really good idea. It's not the kind of it's not like a checklist. It's not like, you know, you it's not the same thing as it's not like a it's not like a mean hearted, mean spirited kind of thing. But it's really more about what thinking about the things that matter to you and putting it on paper and then just kind of letting it go from there. I thought that was a really good um, kind of activity because I think it it makes you think about the things that you want in the person that you want to be with in a different way. And um, and I actually did that. This is going to be sound really corny, but I did that just days before meeting Boo. I'm not saying that that list is the reason why I, how I ended up with him or why, but... I did that and it happened and it was really, really weird and kind of freaked me out a little bit. Still freaks me out a little bit, but it was awesome. And um, yeah, he's great. So the last thing that I want to say is on dating to trust your intuition. 
you know, as women, men, maybe men have it too. Maybe I'll just call it your gut feeling, but, you know, we call it intuition um, or women's intuition. But a lot of times we see red flags in situations and we see orange flags, we see yellow flags, and we try to ignore them or we try to say that the flag is not really quite red. It's just, you know, approaching red or something like that. Just listen to your gut. Sometimes your gut is telling you, it usually giving, is giving you the right answers. So don't ignore your intuition. Don't ignore those red flags. Don't ignore the, the orange flags or pay attention to the yellow ones um, because you that's your body, that's your mind, that's your spirit telling you something and um, that you should probably pay attention to. So those are just my four, um, you know, I guess points related to advice as you're approaching dating. Maybe you wanted something a little more like, I don't know, lighthearted, but I got, might have gotten a little heavy for you. But um, yeah, those are the four, those are the four ask TIFF questions that I wanted to address. Hopefully you got something out of my little perspective and hopefully you'll send me more questions and just listen to my, my ramblings about different situations and uh, that you are encountering. And I'd love to, to hear them. I'd love to talk with you about them, exchange emails over it or Facebook messages or whatever the case may be. So hopefully you'll send more to, you know, email Tiffany at how does she do it podcast.com. Leave a voicemail on the website and I hope to hear from you soon. Well, that's it for this Ask Tiff episode of uh, episode 10 of How Does She Do It? Uh, before I go, I want to read another review that uh, I received in iTunes. It's from DBass200. From the early episodes, this sounds like a tremendous resource for people who are still early in their careers and lives. It's literally a how-to manual for various things you will encounter. And in today's world of the uber-educated and super-certified, learning from people who've been there while you're still going remains most valuable. Tiffany's approach is very relatable, which means you're more inclined to listen. D-Bass, thank you, thank you, thank you. This, um... Every time I read one of these reviews, every time I get a, you know, an email or a comment from people who listen to this show, it is extremely humbling. And I'm just so grateful for your support. If you have not already left me a rating and review in iTunes, please, please do so. I would really appreciate it. Um, or you can send me um, your feedback to Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com. Thank you again for your support. And, you know, until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace.